Just want to send a quick thank you to Craigology1 for leaving a five-star review of the show. They said, I'm inspired again. I came across The Daily Marketer after listening to just one episode and I fell in love. I've always been involved in marketing assets when working for companies, but when doing it for myself, it was always a bit overwhelming. I love how Jacob uniquely capsulizes those immediate things that every entrepreneur should be focusing on to be successful. Well, hey, we just want to thank you for leaving that review and making marketing a little less confusing or overwhelming for yourself or your brand. And if you're listening to this, why not leave a review and help grow the show with me by subscribing or reviewing The Daily Marketer. And if you do leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, it'll automatically enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's easy, takes 10 seconds, could be 10 words long, and it means a lot for us. All right, I'm done. Thanks and enjoy. Sexy ladies and germs, welcome back to The Daily Marketer. This is our part two conversation with Josh Dirks, a serial entrepreneur who is damn good at digital marketing and sales and is the founder of Project Bionic, a social media marketing company up here in the Northwest. I hope you find this conversation as valuable as I did. Thanks. I feel like you've answered this a little bit, but what role does listening play in world-class social media marketing? I mean, it's the first step. It's it's everything. It's it's upfront. That's such an important component of things. And you know, when I was at Intercom, it was really interesting because Cheerios was having this phenomenon of having you know everybody was posting everything all the time, and they're getting you know millions of mentions on a weekly basis and things like that. People were like, if I see another Cheerios tweet, I was like, who cares? If you, you don't care about Cheerios, stop listening to Cheerios. <laughs> Listen to your customers. But if you can go through and understand, you know, we are very fortunate with some of our brands that they have a lot of research that they've done with customer customer analysis and what they understand about the brand and what they don't understand about the brand. And so the beautiful component of that is that we can start to build off of that, right? Oh, there's a there's a mismatch right now in how they understand how we're composting, or there's a mismatch right now in the fact that they don't think we're sourcing locally, right? There's those types of things where you're like, oh, we can shore these things up. So then you start with that, you know, they assess components, taking that listening taking the data and beginning to build a really good creative hypothesis around those around five or six groups of customers you're going to go after. And then beginning to go ahead and that create models, creating content and creating those conversations and beginning to create dialogue with those customer sets. And in 90 days, looking back and going, is that working? Are we hitting the marks we think? Are we truly accelerating people into interest and desire at this point in time? And, ooh, you know, four of the are doing really, really well. Uh, you know, number five is kind of weird, and we're, we're learning a lot about this this audience. They're, they're gamers. You know, we didn't we didn't quite understand everything about them and the nuance. But this sixth set is just not working right now. So why is that? And, okay, what we learned about this, now we're going to flip into this set, and we believe we can reach these customers this way now. And so it's that constant listening to what is being said and assessing and creating Create those confirm those those transformational moments for your brand around those different key audience groups for you. Yeah, I, something I observe with anyone who starts to build, say, even like a personal brand, and they do they do social media posts, 
and they see it gets, you know, maybe one like or two likes or gets a, gets a tweet, uh, a retweet is, is pretty quickly they, they give up and they go, Oh, this is just not working. You know? So, so in, in those situations is that, that there's not enough data for them to start listening properly. How do they get more data? How do they get more understanding of who is actually even viewing that that might be invisible to them viewing their posts so they can start amplifying and, and engaging with more people that actually are engaging that want to engage. Yeah. Great, great question. So first you need to step back and step back your expectations. So, um, you know, I have buddies who hit, you know, new year's every year and they played offensive line, you know, at high school and things like that. And, uh, you know, they'll say, Hey, I'm going to lose 80 pounds this year. And they'll go to the gym the first week or so of the year and work out so hard that they are, they're just, they're, they're sore. They usually get sick, you know, the whole thing. And that's the way I look at a lot of these people they are like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. And like, they, they set up a million channels. Right. And so start really small, maybe pick one, just, just get really good at one, right? So start there and narrow your focus because I see too many people going out and doing that. And secondarily, remember that social media is like a bonfire. And if you ever put together a bonfire, unless you have jet fuel, which is a totally different thing. And some people have jet fuel, which might be money. And we can talk about that in a second here. <laughs> but if you've ever built an organic bonfire, it's usually like, hey, I start building a fire. And then Jacob, you bring a crate over. And then some of our other friends bring another crate over. Before you know, we have 18 feet of fire, right? <laughs> That's what this process takes. And so it's constantly continuing to understand that, hey, in the first 90 days, you're not going to get a lot of results unless you have a paid budget. You're not going to be able to go ahead and gather data. If you're you know, leveraging hashtags and you're leveraging conversation, that's really important. But what I find really humorous is that those same people will be like, well, I'm putting out a post a day and like, nobody's coming to it. And you're like, well, are, are you interacting with anybody else's posts? Are, are you going out and starting to think about that? And that's kind of like the merchant scenario in the village again. I'd say the medicine man that lived in the cave. He's like, well, why is it people going ahead and just coming to me for medicine all the time? Well, A, not everybody gets sick all the time. And B, you're not a relevant part of our society. You're not coming in and you're not being social. So why do I really want to engage with you when I feel like all you're doing is pushing messaging at me? And so the key is not only the message you're doing, but spending the time going out and connecting with people and commenting on their stuff and liking their stuff or retweeting and reposting and those types of things, right? That's such an important component that so many people miss. And then if you're starting to do that, you'll organically start to see that over 90 days or so, you start to see the engagement come through. You'll start to go ahead and build what you need. And then in the next 90 days, is probably where you start getting the data you're going to need. But you've got to commit six months. And it's just like those buddies that want to lose, you know, 80 pounds. Well, if they just went to the gym for 20 minutes and just started walking on the treadmill, and then after you know 90 days of doing that, they spent 20 more minutes just walking around and pick up some barbells and doing some weight training. And then all of a sudden you find yourself playing racquetball for an hour and lifting for an hour and, you know, having a social network in the gym and you want to go and you miss it now when COVID comes and that kind of stuff. Right. And so I think those things are, are really important to think about your expectations and why you're doing something in social. There is a hack to it and it's called paying. It's you, if you want to boost your posts and target your posts and who you think is, man, you can you can drive some key engagements that way. But simplification and going back to the, the model is really being relevant in your communities that you want to be relevant in. And part of that is not by going ahead and talking at them. It's going and listening to them and engaging with them and asking thoughtful questions or reposting and putting thought leadership on top of those things. That's the component that I think so many people miss about social is that it's truly social. If you want to do database marketing and build out an email list, knock yourself out. 
But if you want to go through and truly be in social, you got to realize it's a two-way flow. And just like we have two ears and one mouth, you should be doing a lot more listening than you are talking. Yeah, man, that's great. Something I've learned the hard way, because I've tried to post a lot online and, and grow, you know, people who read my blog, for example, and I go, so I go and I write a blog post, I post it. Just I go to Hootsuite. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm gonna post it on Facebook, post on on uh, t- Twitter, post it on Instagram. I'm like, okay, like, what's next? And then I realized that after the fact that I pretty much only posted it to people that I know. You know, like people. Not everyone's going to Google and searching Jacob Kabika and seeing that my profile is public. Thank God, so they can read my article. That's not happening. So even the the, the net of my reach is relatively probably less than a thousand people by doing that. So you, you mentioned paid, for example. You know, if it's on Facebook or maybe they also do it on Twitter, you can boost posts and boosting literally expands that reach to beyond a thousand people depending on how much gasoline you put on it right Uh, and then in addition to that you can actually do paid ads that maybe bolster and lead back to your facebook page or your instagram handle so so i totally know what you're talking about maybe we can talk about that now so how do you incorporate putting gasoline as your social media marketing strategy so I think that to answer that, you have to back up and understand where we got to, right? So let's talk about the paid side of it, right? Because of, again, 2009 through 12, it was one of those ubiquitous spaces that you could get a lot of impressions that you're putting out content and badass content went to the top and poor content kind of, you know, would flutter along. But what you started hearing in 12 and 13, whenever Facebook was starting to consider an IPO, is that people were saying, I'm seeing too many ads. I'm seeing way too many ads in my feed. Well, their revenue didn't show that. And he's like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> Additionally to that, you know, he made the decision to go and see his wife in D.C. instead of having the big haji dinner with a bunch of the bankers in, in, in New York the night before they went IPO. And two days before that, GM capped him by saying Facebook ads don't work, right? And that, that was their big press three days before Facebook went IPO. <laughs> huh. So he did it his own way. He didn't go and kiss the rings of the New York, you know, financial community, which is, you know, oh, I can't believe you wouldn't do that. And secondarily to that, he had a brand that is probably the most backwards brand in the world, the most spray and pray, how simple can we make marketing brands I've ever seen in GM say they didn't work, right? And so obviously they got off to a bumpy start of their IPO, but that really pissed him off. I mean, this, this is Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Yeah, Zuckerberg. That really frustrated him, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. And so that's where the, when all of a sudden he went and looked at GM's page, and GM wasn't creating content for Facebook. They were creating television commercials and posting <laughs> them on Facebook. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, now that they had 4.7 million fans, those fans are seeing that feed because there was no algorithm to suss out shitty content versus great content. And so at the end of the day, it wasn't. Facebook's ads that were showing up, it was all these brands that had gotten in that were not going ahead and creating custom content for the medium. They were just taking their PR newswire and hooking up to their Twitter account. They were just taking every piece of TV creative and every magazine ad and just posting it through their social feeds, right? Yeah. So that created a really poor consumer experience. Mm. So Zuck said, hey, this has got to change. And so that's where the algorithm actually is born from, is this moment in time of saying, marketers, if you're going to be lazy ass hats at the end of the day and not create content for the platforms 
you can pay just like you can for television to get that in front of eyeballs, but we're not going to just continue to allow you to do that. And you fast forward, and yes, there was a time where a lot of things dipped, and obviously when you build an algorithm, there's a lot of throttling that you got to get to get right, right? But really, at the end of the day, the dirty secret is Facebook and Instagram are pretty much out of impressions. They have been out of impressions for a very long time. And so if you think about brands that put out awesome content, you can put out a really small budget of, you know, five, ten dollars for a post to boost it. And because you get it out to people and it's badass content, they're going to engage. They're going to comment. And if you've noticed now, when you're in a Facebook feed and you click on an image, it opens up and there's three new ads on the right hand side. And you comment, hit post, there's three new ads on the right hand side. So brands that are creating badass content, Facebook's willing to reward because ultimately it's supplying them more impressions that they can go ahead and sell in the open market. Right. And so at the end of the day, if you have those small budgets and you're thinking about your content in a really key way and pushing that to audiences that it's relevant to, not just, again, mass audience and saying everybody and their mother and saying, this is who I'm going after. And they begin to engage with that piece of content. They're going to continue to feed that piece of content ongoing. And so really having that really keen eye to what it is you're putting out and who you're targeting to go ahead and drive and make sure that you can get that engagement will then go ahead and continue to get your organic reach that you want, which will then in turn go through and get you you know, more eyeballs and continue to grow your communities. And so while the algorithms can be a pain in the ass sometimes and they change it all the time and I get it. It's the ass hattery of marketers that got us to this point. It's not the fact that, you know, I think, I mean, obviously Zuckerberg needs to monetize his platform. I'm not saying that, you know, always every algorithm change he's done has been the, you know, for that reason. But we at Project Bionic have always been about the creative and the content. And we have brands that have 60, 70% organic reach uh, to their fan bases all the time. And yes, we're putting in five or $10 into their, into their posts. But you're showing Facebook you're playing the game, but they're also showing that them through the Facebook and Instagram algorithms that you're creating dynamic content that is for the platforms that is there to go ahead and gr- drive that engagement, those conversations, which is going to scratch their back and ultimately they'll scratch your back. So it sounds like you, you, you don't have to spend too much. You don't, have to, you don't have to buy too much gasoline in the form of paid ads. You, you, you can instead shift more to, to creating the quality content and then just putting a little bit of gasoline on it. Is that right? Am I interpreting that right? I think that's absolutely right, especially when it's around a personal brand. I think though, okay. and that's just again, four or five years ago, and even today, I think that, that works for personal brands. If you're in e-commerce, if you have a resort, if you're booking rooms, if you're doing that kind of stuff, there's a whole different side of that. So I don't want people to think, oh, I can put five or $10 behind and start converting yeah. and selling cars from it. But if you're talking about the personal brand side and being a thought leader, I think that's really where it's at. And if you're a brand that's just trying to drive awareness and engagement initially, because you need to go ahead and build a customer base and show what you're doing, that can really work well for you. When you get into the performance side of your social media and you know get, driving downloads or going through and getting uh, conversions on an e-commerce, store things like that those come into more bigger budgets that would be along the SEM line but if we're talking about really driving engagement and building communities absolutely those things work very very well and you don't have to have hundreds of millions of dollars in order to go ahead and do that so so let's pretend I'm a I'm a startup I'm a founder of a startup I it's an e-commerce company that sells uh, you know Tempur-Pedic blankets that's that seems that's a different strategy you just mentioned what's the strategy that you start to that you should implement that you would recommend that 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 complements social media marketing with with paid marketing yeah so i think that you need to go ahead i think that there's a key tipping point around that you know if you're a brand new page instagram facebook twitter whatever 
getting to that first thousand people to like your page is a really kind of a big mark, right? <laughs> so if you're a startup, everyone's like, yeah. who is this person? Do I trust? Okay. Oh, wait, Jacob follows them. Okay, I'll follow them, right? So really leaning in for your first you know, period of time, however long it's going to take you into building that community to that level and getting the awareness moving, right? Starting to talk about content and where it's at. The cool part is that part of that awareness content could lead to your website. They could go ahead and do a 3D model of the blanket and all the cool whiz-bang things it does. And if you have your pixel firing, you're going to know who will actually visit your website. And when you get to a certain level or mass, maybe that's 30 days, maybe it's 60, you can begin to turn on people that have visited your website multiple times or visit a certain page or a campaign. And also you're like, wow, this person actually cares a little bit more about what's going on here. And now that's where you start to go ahead and drive the desire and the action right and you're using your pixels to go ahead and do that and who's engaging with you visiting your website visiting your blog post maybe they even put something in the shopping cart and didn't convert yet going back and retargeting them again so it's that kind of like spending 30 days or so really working on the community and the awareness piece and then starting to shift and as you get to that thousand mark starting to shift into more interest and desire content but using that desire content more through the paid side so that when you scroll through your feed on facebook or instagram or twitter or wherever you're talking about right now tiktok that it's actually content that's about the end consumer. I, Eric Qualman has a beautiful thing in his social economics book that talks about the weight of content. It needs to be 60, 30, 10. 60% of the content you need to create needs to be of utility or benefit to your audience. 30% can be direct promotion because people want to know what you do and why the hell they should follow you. And then 10% should be personality because brands that stand out, people buy from people they like is one of the oldest sales adages in the book. And so those things are really important to kind of think about. But so many brands come out of day one and just want to market, 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 market uh, and conversions. And I, I get it. We have shareholders. We have businesses. We want to turn a profit. We want to do those types of things. But I think we got so into the unicorn stories, which is funny to me because they're bleeding money like crazy. But we have these stories of being instantly profitable in some way, form or fashion. <laughs> and I think that those sexy. hinder yeah. the it sounds sexy, but it's such a rarity at the end of the day compared yeah. to what's really going on in the business yeah. world and how really the big businesses of, of yesteryear and of tomorrow are built is not not that. It's that three to five year struggle. It's The startup is a back alley fist fight. You don't know who yeah. you're in. It's dark. It's crazy. And all of a sudden, after three to five years, you tumble out in the street and now it's a street fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> and before you know it, if you do that well, then ultimately you're in the prize match and you're fighting down at the casino, you know, on Friday night. So that's that's the maturation of a business. And there's a reason it should be that way. And yes, you can do hacks and all those types of things. But if you're doing those hacks and you're trying to do it because you're trying to shortcut your content, you're trying to shortcut the process of building your product, and you're trying to shortcut it because you're shortcutting your people, then why are we really doing it? Yeah. So, so the, 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 it goes back to start small, right? So incremental improvement. If I'm a brand that, you know, start an e-commerce company, just focus on getting those first thousand likes follows to your page. You know, that's, it's not, it's about building awareness. Maybe you're boosting posts and, and doing the five to $10 thing. You're focusing on great content, which in itself is quote unquote, it's, it's a great product in the form of content. And of course, your product has to be great too. So, so is, is that a good summation of it? 
I think it's a great summation of it. And again, there's with bigger budgets, you can build audiences faster, you can build likes faster, that kind of stuff with content. So again, there there is ability if you have tens of thousands of dollars to go ahead and accelerate that process. But for the small business owner who probably is you know majority, or for personal branders, I yeah. think it's understanding that we're going to the gym and it's going to hurt a little bit and it's not going to be fun. And am I doing this machine right? Like I feel weird. Right? It's all of those types of things that go yeah. into it. But it's setting the course, it's building the strategy out, and it's starting to execute that on a daily basis around those values we just talked about. Yeah, I, I think a lot about statistics because I think a lot of people don't don't think about the principles of statistics and there's there's stat sig, st- statistically significant amount of data, amount of time, amount of energy you put into it before you can actually make a conclusion that it's not working. And I think a lot of people, they don't give it enough time or energy or, or posts to, 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 to reach that objective conclusion, this isn't working, right? And that's like going to the gym and going, well, have I actually gone 90 days in a row or did, did I go 90 days total? Oh, I only went 10 days. It, uh, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm making a impulsive decision, an impatient decision to stop now. Maybe I need to give a little more time before I can make that conclusion. And remember what Mark Twain said, there's lies, there's damn lies, and there's statistics. And at the end of the day, yeah. that's a huge component of where people are at, right? And I mean, statistics are such an interesting thing. So we can we can do so much with statistics. So I think it's 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 mining data too in order to build that statistical base. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a sick puppy. Whenever I see a new social site launch, if I see they have an advertising tab, that's where I go first. I mean, we're in conversations right now about a new app that's coming out. Um, and we're thinking about where we're going to launch this app at. And it's very interesting because we've been able to go through and where we thought we'd launch the app, we were able to pull data from just Facebook and Instagram's ad center and be able to go ahead and mark those what we thought was off, thought were good markets based upon other research off the list and be able to go ahead and find a different market that actually is a much smaller market, but has more iPhone penetration and has more of our target audience penetration than these other markets. And it's actually matched up because it's, a, it's an economy. You need one side, you need the other side. And they have both of those things in the smaller market. And so we're going to be able to go from a $26,000 budget a month to go ahead and do an alpha test down to like an $8,300 budget a month now to do an alpha test over a 90-day period to really go ahead and see if this app works. And if that works, then we have an investor set that's really excited about it. And then we can start to blow it out across a bunch of cities. But we understand now the data behind that, not just the statistical analysis behind it, and can put some, some, some teeth to that. Yeah, that, that's, that's a client that, you, that you're going to work with? Yeah, we're in the process right now. We're, yeah. we're down to kind of the, the 11th hour here on things. And I hope to have a signed agreement here in the next uh, week or so. Uh, but we've been pulling a lot of data for them. And I, yeah. you know, I I love that. I mean, I, I love walking into a big brand. The CEO says, oh, nobody talks about us online. I'm like, well, that's weird. Just on Pinterest alone, you have 2,900 different pins that have your brand in it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And why do you think they 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 didn't know that? Are they not? Do they not have the, the right social listening tools or what? Oh, I think, man, we, we in the business world have so misunderstood social media. I mean, even in COVID, it's been crazy because all of a sudden your television doesn't work because people are watching Netflix and that kind of stuff, right? So your television market doesn't work. People are spending time in their cars. So your radio advertising just went down, right? All of a sudden, that's, I mean, even this time of COVID's impacted podcasters because people are not going through and driving in their cars as much as they were before. Mm -hmm. So they don't have as much of that confined time where you can only do a certain number of things, right? Nobody's on the road. So your outdoor is broken. 
not many of us are getting publications delivered to our house, so that's not working anymore. Um, we are spending, you saw social media usage go through the roof when this all started and it's continued to be that way with all of these topics and conversations. So if you didn't have a way in this moment to directly communicate and talk to your customers, you're screwed. Yeah. And so I think that the importance of social media has become very, very different. And so, you know, social email and own apps have become the, the holy grail right now. If we think about a post-COVID world and how we get in direct contact. And yes, you can do integrated marketing plans and layer on other pieces when they make sense. But those brands that thought, I don't need to do that. That's just teenage kids. And a lot, I've talked to people at nauseam to think that and to think about now, the average, I think, Facebook user today is 38. That's not a kid anymore. No. The average Instagram user is 26. That's not a bunch of teenagers. Now, TikTok, yeah. yeah, the average age is 17, and it's owned by the Chinese government and that kind of stuff. Do you really want to go play there? Like, yeah, we can go ahead and help you there. But it's it's interesting to talk about those things and think about it. We've matured, but sometimes, for some reason, our C-level board executives have not matured with it and have shunned it for one reason or another. Um you know, I've had people come to me the last few days and talk about Facebook not going through and and actually, you know, uh, putting a warning label on the president's uh, posts and things like that. And man, we should pull our money out of Facebook. And I'm just like that. TV does it. The news does it seven times. They post his tweet or his Facebook post seven times without yeah. warning you whenever you're watching television. Why are we asking more of of Mark and his team than we're asking of our traditional media players today? It seems very unfair. And there are so many people that are so jealous of Mark and team's success and really the revolution he's brought about the social air that the jealousy is is overriding the data and the common sense behind how powerful his platforms can be. Man, that's that's a podcast episode in its own. <laughs> we could be here all day with that one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so last question. So are you going to do any paid marketing with that potential new client? Yo, absolutely. It'll be, yeah. I mean, it'll be organic content on the page, but it'll be paid as well. To get uh, the cool part is we're going to be able yeah. to, yeah, but it'll be really localized. We're going to be able to take a lot of really yeah. local photography and really show that we know the area, nice. like, you know, where people, these, these, these groups are hanging out, right? Like it's going to be really cool from that standpoint. And we're going to be able to do conversion data. Um, oh, we yeah. also have a great partner here in town called Aptinov that gives you in-app analytics and our social media team can actually oh. tie into that. So if you're stuck somewhere in yeah. in the app and you're having a frustrating experience, you can just click the chat button and our team's right there to negotiate and walk you through that. And if it's a true bug, we can actually thank the user, give them a credit, and then take that back to the dev team to have that fixed. So before we start taking out to millions and millions of people and have their iTunes you know, app rating go to 2.3, we're going to be able to go ahead and kind of, you know, curate it and make sure it's right to yeah. then go ahead and start to take it to the masses. Yeah, if you, if you want to, I did that in my last company. I focused on mobile app installs, doing paid marketing for it through through Facebook and a bunch, a couple other different channels. So let me know if you want to talk about that. Um, yeah. I, I'm always always down to talk shop. Uh, I, I want to make sure I ask this. So how powerful is Facebook's ad platform? I've heard you mention it on other podcasts and seems like that's that's often a it's probably a big element of of the the social media marketing campaigns that you'll that you do for clients and maybe even the paid marketing you do as well yeah i mean it's it's funny to me i mean you know my biggest competitor all the time is the 14 year old in the executive's home who's telling mom or dad don't no, you don't need that. Go to TikTok. Go to go to Snapchat, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or Facebook's not cool anymore, you know? Right. Uh, Facebook still averages a billion users a day. 
Oh um, yeah. For the for the internet and internet penetration in the world, there's I think it's like eighty percent of people that have internet access have a Facebook account. I just got back from three and a half weeks in Africa, and they're making fun of us. Um, they make fun of Americans for two things: a the iPhone. They're like, "Wow, you guys must be really wealthy because the iPhone is so ridiculously expensive." I don't quite understand that. So they all carry Android phones, which I've been an Android zealot since it all this whole war started. So I, I love that. <laughs> but b they're like. Um, Instagram's really nice, but if I'm not on Wi-Fi, that will eat my entire data plan mm. by just loading at one time. And so we forget that these beautiful images, and, and they're like, why do Americans just like pictures? Why don't you like information and articles and links? And I'm like, because we don't like to be challenged in who we are. We don't like to be challenged in our thought processes. <laughs> we want to yeah. have a homogenized society where every picture and image just goes ahead and jives with exactly where we think, and then we can just continue right. to live this, this insulated life, right? So it was very interesting to talk to them about how they looked at things, but they are living inside of Facebook. They use Facebook Messenger mm. just like crazy. Even now that I'm back, I'm still talking to them through Facebook Messenger all the time and things like that. And so when you start to think about that power from a global brand standpoint, it's just it, the penetration of the, the medium is unlike anything else besides maybe cell phones. Yeah. Secondarily to that, if you're doing it right and you're doing the process we talked about where you're targeting and really thinking about the whole customer funnel, we get conversions out of out of Facebook and Instagram that are are pennies on the dollar compared to side by side SEM uh, campaigns for the Google. exact same brand, yeah. the exact same product. I mean, you'll see Google gets it for a do- four dollars, we'll get it for a dollar. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy because again, the the top of mind awareness and how you can target it and where you can look at it from the funnel standpoint, and so. Until that changes, I'm going to continue to tell people they're crazy for not going ahead and thinking about it and using the platform. And if they say they're not getting those results, for your audience, Jacob, if anybody wants to go ahead and call me on that, we're happy to do a free audit for anybody of their paid strategy <laughs> and, yeah. and walk them through Hell what you yeah. do differently. So just call and mention the podcast. And I'll be more than happy to go ahead and provide those audits for people that want to, want to go through and do that. Yeah. Amen. So yeah, Facebook has incredible reach. You mentioned that 80% uh, statistic. And then two, F- Facebook's ads platform has some incredible targeting that that maybe it's in in O'Day to what Mark experienced back right before they went public to go, maybe we have to have a really good targeting system in place. And I think people figure that out very quickly that the targeting is great. The, the, the lookalike audiences can be great. The custom audience upload can be great. It's 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 excellent on a lot of different fronts. And if there if if someone is already doing Facebook ads, well, you might just not be doing it the right way, and you need to do some tweaks, right? Yeah, and I find a lot of people too. They get they get freaked out because they look at the the available audience to them. They're like, oh, there's only a hundred thousand people. I don't know if that's enough. And I'm like, no, no, that's exactly what you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's four million. It's too good. It's right? niche. Yeah. Narrow it. Narrow it down, narrow it down. And because you narrow it down, A, you're going to be able to reserve budget, but you're going to do a lot of learning. And then you can start to flip out into lookalikes and build that audience size. Yeah. Um, and also, Jacob, I'm, I'm remiss for not saying this earlier. If you are one of those people on a personal brand side that has been doing events and having people come or come to your website and fill out an email address, those email addresses now are absolute gold. And if you're yes. a new brand and you have those emails, onboarding those into that custom audience that you talked about is a really powerful way of kickstarting your strategy from the very beginning. So 
all those brands that have all those that paperwork that people filled out when they came into an event, stuff like that. Find somebody on Fiverr or on Upwork, something like that, to do some data entry for you. Get that into an Excel sheet, upload that into your pages, and that's a great way of kind of kickstarting oh, yeah. uh, and getting some more data really fast. Oh, yeah. It's easy, too. I mean, you upload it. You have a column for first name, last name, email. You upload it. Then you target those people. And then you can, you know, if you have a marketing pixel, it tracks people like that. Or you, then you can target people like that. Yeah. it's It can create a nice little flywheel going. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely impactful. It is. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll wrap up here. Josh, where can we find you? Uh, so the company is projectmonic.com. Feel free to go there. I also have a personal website that needs some bad updating really bad, but joshdirks.com. You can find me on Twitter, which is my preferred mechanism at Josh Dirks. Um, I'm pretty much at Josh Dirks everywhere except for Instagram where I'm Joshua Dirks. Um, so yeah, follow, engage, ask questions. I try to be really attentive with that kind of stuff. The one place I'm not great on is LinkedIn. I find that, that LinkedIn, since Microsoft's taken it over much like Skype, when they're purchasing of Skype and moving over to Teams, it feels like you know Microsoft um, unfortunately screwed up LinkedIn a little bit, and so I get more spam in my inbox mm. than most of the state of Hawaii has in consumption. <laughs> so um, I'm happy to have you LinkedIn and connect with me, and I usually check those links every you know two to three weeks. But if you're trying to reach me through that, um, that's not gonna. That might take me a little while to get to you. So if you want to get to me directly. Go to our company website, go to my uh, my personal website, fill out the contact form, just mention you want to chat with me. I'll get those leads really, really fast. Um, and I can go ahead and, and get back to you in, in short order. Hell yeah. Any asks of the audience for you or Project Bionic? I mean, we are always looking for really talented people. If you think that you know your career should be in social media, if you're a young person who's just come out of marketing, got a marketing degree, even better yet, you got an English degree, you got a really badass graphic design background, motion graphics background, that kind of stuff, please reach out to us. We're always looking for talent. We have internships available. We're always there. And then if you are a marketer, you're in a day job right now where you guys have not had results that you thought of, you don't think social media will work for you, um, I would love to come and spend a half hour, hour, whether that's in Zoom or as we get out post-COVID, have a coffee or maybe even something stronger at a bar later on. I'm happy to go do that. I think the beautiful part about this is not me trying to sell you on something. It's us walking through this in a way that I can explain and be a Sherpa for you. And if it's me or it's another agency, I don't really care. But I hope that more and more people realize the power. I think we, I mean, this COVID thing has really underscored it. But I, I'm evangelist for the space. I think it's the social media space, despite some of the deplorable things that are in it right now. We have a whole other podcast about that. But I still think it's one of the most powerful mechanisms that we have in uniting people and getting causes started and doing very cool things um, on behalf of brands and organizations. So if you feel like you've been left out, and especially if you're in the B2B world, I want to talk to you badly. So, uh, so we'd we love to chat with you. And uh, projectbionic.com is, is, is where someone would go to reach out to you all? Yep, you can do that. Or like you did, you can also go to joshdirks.com and fill okay. out the, the contact form there. And I can get back to either either one of those places or, or tweet me. I'm happy to... I've had a lot of people at me and I'm fine with that too. Okay, fuck yeah. Uh, that, I think that was a great call to action. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show. And this, this was really fun talking to you. I, maybe we'll do a part two someday. Hey, man, I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I love the dialogue and the back and forth. If people have other ideas, questions, Josh, you're full of shit. I'm fully paid for those types <laughs> of conversations. Um, I learn a lot from other people. And mm-hmm. so that's one of my beautiful things right now is that I, I love listening to other people and understand where they're coming from and learning from them and be able to take those things and turn them to action. 
And so at the end of the day, if there's those types of things from your audience and we want to have more dialogue um, or I can come back on and talk about something else, man, I'm, I'm all game. I really appreciate you having me and uh, being patient with my crazy jumbled up schedule the last few weeks. Good. You're the man. It was, it was, it wasn't a problem. All right, man, we'll talk to you soon and, and uh, I'll be in touch. Thanks so much, Jacob. Have a great okay. day, man. See you, man. Bye-bye. Yo, thanks for listening to that two-part conversation with our guest. I really do hope I'm creating some value for you and making the journey of entrepreneurship a little less noisy, a little less lonely, and a little less stressful. Before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you liked what you heard, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card contest, which we're going to announce the winner of every other week. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Go to the show, scroll to the bottom, and hit review. 10 seconds, 10 words, very easy, and be entered into a raffle for a $50 Amazon gift card, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money. You got to love that. And it's easy to do. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be amazing. Thanks and take care and good night.